welcome to Unlock, the podcast from Unlock Apparel. My name is Mike Sim, one of the guys behind Unlock Apparel and your ever, ever monosyllabic host. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast with Tobin Yellen last week. Um, whether or not you did uh, is borderline irrelevant to me because I got to speak to Tobin Yelland and that is a huge tick in the wind box. This week we're going somewhere a little bit different. I'm with a young photographer called Jesse Morgan. Uh, Jessie's currently studying her Masters in Photography down in Brighton um, and had just wrapped up a project um, for her bachelor's called Coco, which was a sort of photographic exploration of a, of a young person's understanding of themselves and their um, position within a, within a family and within culture and society, I suppose. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful um, piece of work. Um, very intimate, warm, uh, and I, I, I want to speak to Jessie through that, really. Um, she's also a music photographer, um, photographs gigs, photographs bands. She's incredibly accomplished for someone that's only 21 um, and very uh, sure of who she is and her placement within the sort of photography bubble, which I think can often be one of the biggest struggles that we have. Certainly one that I have as my... Um, mess of an Instagram or how many Instagram accounts I have will show. Um, so it's great to have somebody who's young, she's only 21, uh, and I hopefully there's some young people listening who can gain something from her. Uh, wisdom, I'm going to use the word wisdom, um, because it's it's. I think that is truly one of the most important things within a, within a creative um, niche is to actually carve out who you are and what you're good at and be okay with saying that these are the things I'm not very good at so therefore I'm not going to do them I'm not going to I'm not going to dilute my worth with with a product that that isn't as good as I could possibly make it so anyway this is um my conversation with Jesse Morgan I, like the first time I remember, like there's loads of videos of me doing like photos at family parties when I was just so socially awkward that I would just take a video camera and it was like an excuse to talk to people. There's like a video of my auntie's like 90th birthday and me being so fucking annoying with a camera. Um, and then it was like the 2012 Olympic Games. My mum kept dragging me to loads of like the shit gigs that they were putting on in London. It was like fucking the wanted and stuff. And she kept dragging me to them because she got like really cheap tickets and I would just take pictures because I didn't want to be there. And yeah. from that, um, I'd, I'd started writing about music quite a lot, became an editor for this website for a place in Surrey. And I did not live anywhere near Surrey, but um, <laughs> became the editor of it. And then from that, got access to gigs and they were like, oh, can you take photos? I was like, Maybe yeah. I can try. And then kind of fell into it that way. And I thought originally that I was going to go into more like a journalism side and then just always became the person with the camera. Yeah. And moved to Brighton when I was 16, 17 by myself and had been doing like music photography. So just carried on doing that and then decided that couldn't afford to live anymore. So decided that I'll do a degree. Good idea. But it, it, so, like, originally for you, would you, it was an escapist type thing. It was a way of being present without being present. 
I definitely still think it's like my main tool for communication. Like I'll be at events that I have no business being at otherwise, but because I've got my camera, it gives me a reason to be there and it gives me like a reason to talk to people. Um, but yeah, do you I'm find so you, Do you find that you're actually naturally quite, so you're naturally quite shy? I'm or... an ex, no, I'm an introverted extrovert extroverted and yeah i'm the one where like i find people really draining and tiresome but then i'm very fucking loud and stuff yeah. anyway yeah i um, can get i can definitely be like i want to i'll see people who are like really engaging and chatty and fun and i was kind of like wish i was them while at the same time kind of hating people like that so like i uh and then what are you like when taking pictures of people are you quite chatty like if you're doing portraits? I, I think with like portraits, my main thing is just trying to make sure people feel comfortable. Yeah. So like, I I find it really weird when I'm taking photos of someone that I don't know and I want to get to know them so they're more comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I feel like when I'm taking portraits, it's kind of like because I'm there for a reason, mm -hmm. I'm not exactly being myself either because I'm being yeah. like results driven. Yeah, you've got, um, there's an air of professionalism as well. And you also, I think... Oh, I have good, no air of professionalism. Do you not at all? Like, <laughs> I think, like, I just... The way that I tend to make people feel most comfortable is by not being professional. Like, yeah. there was there was a band that I used to shoot in Brighton. Ah, so and, you're dealing with bands. So your client base is slightly different, I would suppose. Yeah, so I generally deal with musicians' bands. And then I do, like, label stuff as well. And I do, like, headshot stuff. Mm. But even when I'm doing that, it's kind of like what are you doing with your face like why do you like <laughs> why why what are you doing like um a band that I'd worked with quite a lot I was like Ed just sort your face out like what are you doing <laughs> um and yeah I guess that's kind of the way that I shoot anyway um it's, I think as long as you're disarming because people are in a they're in a naturally vulnerable position when you're taking the photograph it depends yeah. on the setting as well you know it also depends on the equipment like I keep it super simple all the times, all as equipment. much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. What do you use? Do you shoot film or digital? Both. Um, predominantly, my client work and like label work is digital, but I do shoot film. All of like Coco and that was shot on film. Um, but yeah, kind of mixing it up between the two. I have a film camera that I was given on a long-term loan, <laughs> nearly two years ago, by a. Um, photographer called Steve Gullick, like mm -hmm. OG music photographer, because um, right. I, my boyfriend when I was 15 was his best mate, is Steve's son or something, and he lent me a camera and he said long term loan and he hasn't asked for it back, so um, <laughs> actually maybe don't include that bit because I don't want him to ask for it back yet, I'm not going to I'm going to not only include it, I'm going to tag him in. Oh no, like, it's such a good, to be fair, I should just buy one. It's such a good camera. What is this one? It's a Canon one, but it's the non, it's the film version. It's the 35 mil version. Nice. And it just translates so well from my digital camera to, and I can use my, I can use my digital lenses on it. Oh, quality. So all my Canon lenses fit on it and it's beautiful. And yeah. they're not that expensive to buy to be fair. He lent it to me because he didn't like what I was using before. And then, yeah, it's been about two years and he has not asked for it back. So, so then, you started off at, you went to college or university. I went to, I did a year at college in Brighton. To go and do, to do photography or was it like an art foundation thing or? 
Uh, no, I, so I dropped out of college the first time when I was living at home. I went to college in Peterborough and dropped out because I fucking hated it. And my tutor worked for the sun. I was like, you're just a Tory stab. And, um, <laughs> Definitely keeping that in. Um, when, yeah, like I met, I went to 2002's Festival and met these guys and they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, so working in, I worked for a magazine publisher because I, when I dropped out and, um, they were like, oh, I've got a spare room come home to Brighton. I was like, fuck it, why not? I paid £100 a month in rent for my first year. What? Got my, yeah. Who are these guys? I, I, them. I know, right? I mean, it was great. And I went to Access to Music in Brighton, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, they have like one in Manchester and Bristol and stuff, but it, I did a creative media production for music course. It's right. pretty good. And then, yeah, I did photography at Kingston and then now doing my master's. Nice. So then, when did you move in? Uh, I sent Alex a message to ask if I could talk about this project, by the way. <laughs> I thought I'd better double check. Did she say no? She said she absolutely not. She said no way, not in a million years. Um, yeah, she said absolutely get to fuck. <laughs> so your project that you did um, was, uh, I can let you explain it actually. This, was, this wasn't for your master's, this was for your Degree? This was the final project of my bachelor's, yeah. Yes, so if um, you would like to explain it. So I had loads of different ideas for what the project was going to be and kind of I was working on producing two at the same time um, and then the world ended. <laughs> like it got to March and I knew that Alex was going to need someone to help out with the kids a bit because Alex was still going to be working and like Corona was taking over everyone's lives and it was the first lockdown. So I went and moved back in with Alex and then it just made sense to keep developing the work with Coco. And the whole project kind of is all about Coco discovering their own identity and they're exploring their neurodiversity in a way that is approachable and it translates really well like it's not it's not just about Coco like it could be about anyone that has a child that is not atypical in like neurotypical in um the traditional sense of potentially struggles in an academic setting and it's just like kids have so much more to say than we ever give them credit for and Coco is such like a powerhouse of emotion Coco is seven seven right so i started this project when i first moved in with alex and i think it was the really like it was the thing that really bonded me and coco because bedtimes coco wanted to like understand what i do a bit more so i taught them how to use the film camera as well nice it was all shot on film and then like it started off with coco taking photos of me and me taking photos of coco and this then, was on the on the canon yeah um so like entirely manual as well like I taught Coco how to do it nice. and they loved it and then that kind of really translated and like reflected our relationship of like before Coco met me their idea of family was very black and white mm. um and was like family is mum dad brother that's my family mm. whereas now like I, Coco has like a from ha like having someone move in with them when their family unit dissolved mm -hmm. um and being able to encompass that you can like 
love someone that isn't your family was something that like Coco definitely realized and rejected the idea at first but it was quite a natural progression over the course of the year mm. um so yeah I like <laughs> I've spoken so much about it I can never sort of say the same thing twice or get it really concise um because there's so much to it and I think every time I look at it it's something kind of different but I think yeah. I think it was a very um I think it was a very intimate project and I think it was very beautifully done I think what film did you use was it a mix of stuff or was it mix of stuff um torture for a lot of it um and had some like t-max in there for some bits that didn't really make it and some Kodak gold actually in the summer as well yeah it's nice film Kodak gold but I think it was no I think it I think it was such a it's timeless actually in a way when I looked at it, I, I felt like it was it was very specific, but also very, um, yeah, timeless and diverse. Like that could have been put into so many different settings, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I it think tells us nice it well. tells a story that anybody could relate to. I thought. Yeah, it's it translates really well, and the fact that like, it's not just a, it's not just portraits of Coco. It's not that like. There, there is obviously portraiture elements to it, but you paint a picture throughout the backstory. And it's also just as much as reflection of me as it is of them, mm-hmm. um, because it was entirely collaborative. Like it's going into this book soon and I've requested, anyway, I really hope they do it. I haven't seen the final print version yet um, that Coco is labeled on it as well. Um, so did you, did you find that it was uh, quite a sort of transformative experience for you? Like, was it, was it something much bigger than a photography project for you, obviously? I think that I, yeah, I see it like generally like Coco is like my tiny kindred spirit and I knew hmm. it before even meeting them. Like, so I have, a, me and Alex have quite a weird history anyway. Um, I first met Alex when she came into the pub that I used to work in. And I was behind the bar and I was like, oh, my, like, I was saying to my colleagues, like, I recognize this person. And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, no, I definitely follow her on Instagram. So then I was uh, like, are you Alex Hicks? <laughs> and then from that, like, she followed me and then Alex was looking for a lodger. And I was like, like I'd seen Coco on her stories and been like, this kid is fucking incredible. And I love them, even though I've not met them yet. Mm. And then, yeah, I moved in with them and I was totally right. Like Coco isn't completely besotted with me in a way that only Coco sort of can be because they're still quite distant in their relationships at first. But like the second day I was ever there, like Coco woke up in my bed, like woke up <laughs> and got in my bed. But that's like, great. That's such a level of confidence. But have you found that like, I, cause I know my, my daughter's only, uh, she'll be three like next week. And uh, I made her a little, um, I made her a little camera out of like a out of a matchbox, not like a matchbox, but some sort of little box and some toilet roll, and then I put a little candle holder on the top as like the little as the shutter release, and then I give her um, I've given her a point and shoot before, uh, and I really want to buy her like just a little like an old digital camera just so she can like take pictures and see them because I've got my cameras are Pentax six seven which is like heavier than her, um, I've got my Nikon. A digital camera and then I've my I've got two 35 millimeters of Olympus OM1 and a Yushika T4 and the Yushika T4 is an amazing point and shoot but I kind of like I find that it's so easy to engage children with things with photography they find it fascinating I think 
and it's yeah, it's and such it a good whole new perspective end. on how they view things as well. Totally. Um, we gave we um, did like a version of 2003s at home this year because obviously it was cancelled, and we were still in that kind of not lockdown but semi lockdown period. So I went down to Alex's and. Um, Otto had my phone and just like seeing what Otto was capturing is like this is the things he finds really interesting and it was yeah. like bits of like detail on a corner of the cob and stuff and it's like this is art GCSE and you are free but it's like that's amazing though because it's it's what do you find fascinating what what are you taking a picture of like what whether or not someone can just say oh, it's them just taking a picture it's not because you've specifically picked like, taking a picture like stop to take a picture of that whatever that thing is i've never been into the romantic idea of sort of um you're just capturing a moment like that's never been a thing for me i think for a lot of people it is like you're you're you know you're you're capturing an exact you're freezing time that's never been a thing for me like i'm not a massive picture taker like i see photos in my head sometimes i'm really happy to just see them in my head i don't have to be taking pictures all the time um i'm not that type of photographer but I like watching the diverse ways in which people operate and especially children with a camera. Yeah. There's, there's so much, like I, I can repeat, I could repeat the same project and like I would get so many different results just from being like a different kid, even if like uh, the same situations are there, but like none of the photos in Coco were really posed either. Like the one that mm. looks the most posed is Coco with their legs up against the wall. And like, it kind of, like everyone, I've had such good feedback on that photo, but it's such a funny thing because everyone thinks it's like me telling Coco to go sit in a corner and look sad. But <laughs> the actual backstory of it was me, Coco and Alex are sat on Alex's bed and we were talking about some photos that we've taken and Alex was like, I wish I could pose like you, Coco. And Coco was like, I'll teach you how to pose, mummy. And then went on, sat in the stall. And then the way that they sat on the stall, that was just naturally how they sat down. And that's like how they would pose. Mm. So there's something about that. And then like, I went through the process of doing like the photographer's galleries, portfolio reviews and stuff. And they were like, oh my God, this is relevant to attachment theory because it's like this fetal position. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But also, mm. like, it's kind of the marvel of kids where it's not that deep. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's just a reaction. And yeah. they don't have the same level of depth of thought processes. Yeah. Because they don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kids, like, there's so much to be done about kids. And then what was your process in doing it? Was it just quite, was it candid? Were you quite open and honest? Were you, when you were there with a camera, did they know you had a camera? Or were you ever just, like, sneaking off a few a few shots it was always a like sometimes i'd be like oh the light looks really nice and coco's like oh should we take some pictures or like there's somewhere coco's putting on makeup and it was like we were just doing it and then my camera's kind of just always sort of when i'm at alex's anyway it's always sort of nearby there were a certain mm. like i had a few images in my head of what i wanted they yeah. ended up being the images that actually didn't come out that well. Yeah. Like I'd pictured them and they, it just didn't, I think it's because they were thought about a lot more that it didn't then translate as well. Um, but yeah, it was it, never like set up. It was never like we're going out to take pictures apart from like 
the two sort of suits that I'd planned, which was I wanted to get one of them in their beavers uniform and um, we were going to try and get them running through the sprinkler. And that was an interesting, <laughs> interesting task. And is there, um, is there anywhere people can see that work right now? So um, I have one of the photos is going to be in the Rankin 2020 book, which comes Sick. out soon. It's up for pre-order at the minute and all the proceeds go to the Mental Health Foundation or Mental Health UK. Um, but you can pre-order it from Waterstones at the minute. Um, and I'm currently like the version that I submitted was online but I've kept it quite private because of the sensitive subject matter mm -hmm. um, or potentially sensitive and also like I don't want Koku to ever feel like they have been violated not violate but like yeah, yeah, it yeah. puts them in quite it's a, it's a very intimate piece of work and also, when you're that age, you know, by the time you get to 12, 13, 14, 15 or something, you never know. But Yeah, like um, having Coco's consent was really important as well as getting both their parents' consent. And like they'd seen it before I submitted it, before anything ever went online, like they got a say in it, um, both Coco's parents. And then when it got submitted to Rankin, like that all, um, they've been part of all of that process so yeah it's not public anywhere at the minute uh, there's a few photos on my instagram and i'm currently potentially reworking it to then print as a book for awesome. like a very limited run of like i want to give coco a proper copy that they've always got to like keep mm. it's the version that's at now like i was so happy with it but it's kind of the more you look at it it's like i'm just picking it apart at this point now oh, i think 100 percent like, uh, yeah, um, no, I mean, that's that's just going to happen. We work in a visual medium and we're also horribly anal people photographers. So, like, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I went through maybe, like, 20 drafts on InDesign, but I'd already ran through, like, five versions where I had all the photos printed off and tried to, like, live with them up to see how I'd find it so honestly like I needed a bit of a break <laughs> like when I handed it I handed yeah. it in in August and then I kind of let it sit for a bit and not really looked at it and I'm gonna work with my friend Grace who's a graphic designer and potentially rework some bits before I go to print. I think it's no Thanks. I think it's a great piece of work. Thank you. And then I mean what's your <laughs> And then, I mean, for people like, how old are you? I am 21. 21, but a youth. But a, a, youth. But a, but a baby. Baby. Just a bairn. Uh, a bairn, a wee bairn. Um, I mean, I think to have completed something like that at your age, and I think there's so many young people now wanting to be photographers who, this is something I've asked everybody, is about Instagram and where you see Instagram as a photographer, where you see it in, in its level of importance and whether or not people should be striving for followers or should actually just be taking pictures, being content with taking pictures. And do you know what? No one has to see them for a while. I think that I've started to, in the last year, use it more as a sketchbook kind of thing and oh. heard a lot less. I used to always have like either work in threes or always have a lot of borders on my Instagram and like I just got bored of it like it's tiresome yeah. um I've never really like sought out to reach people on Instagram mm -hmm. 
I have got bits of work through it, but like I I've had a, over a thousand, I had a thousand followers on Instagram when I was like 15. So it's not like my potentially, like my following has like massively grown since yeah, then. Yeah, like, yeah. The content has obviously definitely changed because it's not like pictures of me and my friends anymore. But like as a photographer, I don't really have any sense of following on there. So what the f- like what does it matter if I'm yeah. posting things that are yeah I see Instagram is a sketchbook portfolio is your finished piece of work is how I see it now yeah I like guess my really... website is my website is the shop front Instagram is like behind the scenes yeah I think that's a really concise way of hearing that actually that no one's really said before I used to be so anal about Instagram to the point where I either never posted anything of it or my ideas would change so it was never coherent. So like nothing looked the same. So because commercially I was a food photographer, still am I suppose, um, but I didn't like the idea of being a food Instagram person. So then the stuff I was posting on Instagram was just garbage and then it didn't relate to my website. And even my website now is like nonsense. So like, I'm so bad at that side of things and I think that advice I would give to young people is find your discipline within photography what you're good at because I know that I can't do product photography I'm appalling at it I can't really do event photography I mean I can but do does that not translate from like food surely food is just as much of a product nah because it's it's different food's a lot of natural lighting product photography is a lot of like strobes and a lot of editing, like really boring editing. And it's like event photography. I can, anyone can do event photography, but not, not gigs. I think gigs are very different actually, but like turning up to an event and taking pictures of people, like anyone can do that. But I hate doing it because I don't like making small talk. And I also get really bored of doing it really quickly. So for the first half an hour, I'll be like quite engaging. And by the end of it, I'll just walk around. It's like, just don't care. Like, don't care. Put it into yeah. Lightroom, apply the same, a same preset to every single photo, send it to the client. It's kind of, event stuff always tends to be like bread and butter stuff. Yeah. Um, like what were you talking about earlier with um, looking, like thinking of right place, right time and stuff like that. Like that, in my sense only really happens with gig photography because it is all up to chance like the more that you work with a band the more you get to know like their set and potentially what they're going to do at certain points but you are all in a pit and say there's even though you might have stage access because you might be with the band like each person in that pit is going to get completely they are going to have exactly the same opportunities but somehow they're going to produce something that's really different because there's something that each person is seeing that is slightly different in that thing and I think that's what makes music photography interesting and because it does relate to that it has to be that specific moment like there's no there's no retakes yeah and that is like a really good discipline yeah that lens choice makes a massive difference like loads of things I am the worst music photographer when it comes to lenses. Like, I, I, I hate zoom lenses so much. Yeah. I'm a prime, prime lens through and through. Yeah, I, um, I, I used to be, and then my digital camera basically has my twenty four seventy on it, and I don't really take that off. I've got other lenses, but I use fisheye for skate stuff, and then 
my 24 I used to only, I had three primes. I had a 35, 50 and an 85 and I've sold them all. Wish I hadn't, but it was just to get that 24 because it worked for work. Because I only really use digital for work. Everything else I shoot on film. Yeah, I, because um, I then, like having that Canon camera, I can put my digital lenses on it. It makes sense to keep them I've got. Like I've used 24-70 and like we had Canon this year at Fashion Week and I was trying it out a bit more than I normally had because they'd let us have it for, well, we had it for three days. And for fashion photography, yeah, it works great. But I would rather move with my camera than get the zoom to do it. Um, when I have the opportunity to anyway I have I literally only have two lenses my camera and very rarely do I need anything more if I'm doing arenas then I'll get something bigger I'll just borrow it but the 50mm 1.2 and the 35mm 1.4 all I need yeah you want that you want that you want that aperture for the low light don't you like 1.4 well um, and then if you were to speak to anyone who was wanting to be in the, the music photography world, what advice would you give them? Just do it. Yeah. Just start turning up at gigs with a camera. Get used to light being shit. Teach yourself Lightroom as soon as you can. Because, like, I, I spent like a week in my first year of uni getting used to Lightroom. And before that, I literally was just editing, editing everything on like Apple Photos and just barely, all I, I could use Photoshop, but not very well. And I, I think you, once, you get, once you go on through it, you get to a point, once you've been a photographer for longer and longer and longer, like the less and less time it takes you to edit photos, not because you're faster at Photoshop but, and, or Lightroom, but because you don't really touch them much at all. Like I get images back from labs and stuff and I'm like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> like maybe some yeah. minor color correction. If I had it in my head, like it was, cause depending on which lab you go to is depends on what sort of tone you get sometimes back. And I might've been like, okay, the tones are slightly off to what I remember or how I want it. I'll maybe adjust those a little bit, but otherwise like it's a photograph, leave it as it is. Yeah. I, um, I get along with color screen really well in Brighton. They've done me some, like they've always done my scans really well. So I'm always been super happy with them and they barely need touching at all. It's more just things that then, like I've just wanted to make more cohesive across the yeah. board and it's barely anything. But I mean like, yeah, music stuff requires a fairly heavy edit and that's what really does set you apart as a music photographer is getting to yeah. know that. I think that I used to definitely like, this, well, there's sort of massive debate among music photographers about like changing colours and stuff. But I yeah, see, I know nothing about music photography. So, like, people say that like you shouldn't change the colours because the lights are how they are. But like, the audience is not going to remember that that person in the band's face was bright pink because I can see bright pink through my camera, but you could see normal skin tone. So mm. I'm creating what other people would have actually seen versus yeah. what came out the back of my camera. At the end um, of the day, yeah, and I think that you're trying to you're trying to um, you're trying to show an emotion at that time, not exactly what was going on. I would have thought. Yeah, it's not a documentary. Like, I don't shoot for publications. I only shoot for bands because I don't work for free, um, <laughs> and yeah. that is most of the magazines want you to shoot gigs for free. And like, 
I have done my time. Yeah, that's just, that yeah. That's not just music photography these days. That's like every magazine just wants to take your stuff for yeah. nothing. The fact that they try and speak to, like, they do it with me is that they'll, you know, I'm talking massive publications, like, will be in touch and be like, oh, you shot this photo for X, we want to use it, we'll credit you. So, no, you won't. You'll pay No, me. you're going to license that photo. But yeah. No naming names. <laughs> no naming names. Big, will, uh... big companies suck. Small companies pay on time, always. Yeah, mostly. Yes, they do. I'm going to say that. I'm going to fight for the little man. Um, <laughs> uh, Jesse, I'm going to have to go, but this has been a delight. I feel like I've not really said anything. I'm sorry if I've just waffled about. No, it's been, it's been terrific. It's been really nice. I think Sweet. it's been a, a lovely, in-depth podcast. And once it's edited, it will sound delightful. Uh, I mean, apart from my dulcet tones. It's been a pleasure. I mean, Scottish accents always sell well, so you're on you're in the right path. Yeah, they sell um, well in places that don't speak English. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, and we should uh, actually meet at some point. I shall speak to you thank soon. You Enjoy your evening. Me. No problem. Yes, you Toodle pit. Bye.